What could turn out to be one of the more confusing congressional races in recent Pennsylvania history is now set. Inside Story starts right now. Good morning, everyone. I'm Matt O'Donnell. It is Sunday, March 25th. It's finally spring, isn't it? 2018. <laughs> Don't jinx it. Don't Let's get into Inside Story Meet our panelists of the week. Nia Meeks, communications executive. Good morning. Good morning, Nia. Filmmaker, Sam Katz. Morning, Matt. Good morning, Sam. Nelson Diaz, former Common Pleas Court Judge. Good morning. Hello, Nelson. And radio talk show host, Dom Giordano. Morning. Good morning, Dom. So if you live in Pennsylvania, quick question. Who is your congressperson? If you watch this show, I'm going to guess you probably know. Second question, what district do you live in now and what district are you going to be living in after the general election? That's probably going to be a little confusing. Now, a federal appeals panel and the U.S. Supreme Court both rejected last-minute attempts by Republicans to block the newly drawn state congressional map. As you know, it was issued by the state Supreme Court, Democratic-leaning, after it declared the old map from 2011 was gerrymandered by the GOP. Dom, given... I mean, I know they haven't even gotten to the fact to tell people where they're living right now, but... There's going to be a lot of confusion, not only during the campaigns, but on Election Day in November. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. And I'm not sure who that cuts to, because if there's not confusion, it would seemingly cut toward the Democrats with this new map right now. You have someone like Ryan Costello, who is a was a rising star, we thought, now even uh, mulling retirement, apparently, in his new district because of what's been added in there. So there is chaos that's going on. Costello is still running, by the way. And Absolutely. last week, Jeff Jabalera said that there's no way he's getting out of the race. And up to this point, it hasn't happened. Uh, Nia, what do you think about, I mean, should there be some outreach programs for voters and well, tell them what to do? I, well, that's like something that's so unique, right? Outreach programs. But it doesn't have to be confusing. That's the whole thing. This happens about every 10 years where we kind of look and see what's happening. We have reapportionment. We have congressional maps drawn. And the chilling thing is in a couple years that these maps will be drawn again mm -hmm. because we'll have the official apportionment. Mm -hmm. What we have right now is a quick remedy behind something that was really crazy because people kept saying, well, why is it that I'm voting this way? All my neighbors are voting this way, but I'm not getting the representation that I voted for. How does that happen in D.C.? And to the point of Ryan Costello, even though he's still in, Chrissy Holohan is tough, and Chester County women are tougher, and they are really coming out. So it's not guaranteed that he's going to win. If he retires, he may be able to come back a little bit later. So that, that's still an option. Sure. Sam, Nelson? I don't think uh, this is a case in my mind of go around comes around. What goes around comes around. The legislature in a Democratic state, at least by virtue of registration, has on two successive decade occasions Apportioned, reapportioned both the legislator, legislative and congressional seats in a way that so gerrymandered the outcome to favor Republicans 13 to 5 in the mm -hmm. Congress. What we look at now are a series of maps that if you forget the dem registration numbers, there's a, a, a congressman from Delaware County, mm -hmm. a congressman from Chester County, a congressman from Montgomery and Bucks. And these are some of the largest counties in Pennsylvania that should have a congressperson who represent, and the distinction between Eastern and Western Montgomery County is significant enough politically so that it's a very diverse district. The, the, in 2015, in the year in which there was no Democratic turnout <coughs> in Philadelphia, we elected three new state Supreme Court justices, all Democrats. So in my mind, this was a failure of the Republican Party to focus on an election that has turned out to bite them in the butt. Let me ask you this, Nelson. Now, as we know, Rick Saccone has finally conceded in that special election in the congressional district out in western Pennsylvania. That will be different again. 
Uh, Democrat Connor Lamb's victory makes the Pennsylvania congressional delegation, once he's sworn in, 12 Republican, 6 Democrat. How do you see it after the, the dust has cleared from November? I just looked at our six districts, which are adjacent to uh, Philadelphia. And I, w I think that the Democrats could win five out of the six districts um, because of what Sam said. Sam says that there is now a coalescing of each one of the counties in a way in which they get actual representation. And so Delaware County tends to be the most Republican, so that's the one that obviously would probably be the Republicans. The other districts, because they become so Democrat, Montgomery County, for example, there is an opportunity to elect more Democrats. Relating to the court issue, um, there could be a constitutional crisis. As you know, they've asked for an impeachment of some of the justices mm -hmm. by the legislature. So to some extent, uh, it's all right if the Republicans do it. It's not good if the Democrats do it. And, and, and they claim that these guys ran on this position that, hey, we'll be able to re-establish well, ch that. Any chance of th that happening and that this really, yes. truly isn't over? Yes. Well, uh, the, the map is over. But I believe they're going to bring in this one judge who ran on saying he would change the maps. And I don't think as a judge, I defer to the judge in a political campaign, you're kind of judging things in advance of this. I think there could be an impeachment of the judge. The Senate, I don't think, will remove him, though. That's where Republicans are weak. Have to Even though they have enough to remove him, I think a few of them won't do it. Okay. But even but the Chief remember, Justice is okay. saying, you know, it's bad, it's bad policy to say, I don't like this ruling, and so we're going to go to try to impeach. But and the Chief Justice ruling, is though. a Republican. It, it, it's usurping. This is a big issue. But the Chief Who Justice is basically this? saying, hey, listen, this will upset the independence of the judiciary if we go after this because we don't like the ruling, we don't like the well, outcome. I don't think and they're that's independent already. At. I think they're political. So. Well, they're yeah. elected. Of course well, they're elected. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed in all the history of Pennsylvania. When they say that they don't like the funding for for the state, and they're going to come up with a funding formula for viewers in the suburbs right now. That means you're going to pay more for Philadelphia. We're going to see how people, what we say well, about you know, that. Let then. me tell you, one of the real issues of gerrymandering in the past was how they divided up based on racial issues. You mm -hmm. know, you try to avoid. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and that's really what all the court cases have sort of developed yes. in terms of that. If there is a fairness process in terms of uh, the racial and the district area, I don't see how any Supreme Court can come into the process. Now, the issue of uh, taking on a judge, I, I agree. It's, the independence of the judiciary is going to be a tough, tough, tough issue. And if that happens, uh, I think there'll be a real constitutional crisis. Not only that, but there'll be blowback. I mean, the two years from now, if Donald Trump's uh, re-election campaign doesn't produce good outcome in Pennsylvania and the legislature either c could shift, then you're going to start seeing impeachment of Republicans. Right. This is a bad That's road a to bad go down. Road. Well, and we have to respect the institutions right. of democracy, and if we don't do that, we're going to pay a big price. Yeah. Let's move on to our next issue. Could Philadelphia had had the answer to preventing school shootings 19 years ago? The school district put metal detectors in all of its high schools back in 1999. The Associated Press talked to security experts who suggest that urban districts like Detroit, Chicago, L.A., New York, Philadelphia rarely have mass shootings because of these security measures. The mass shootings that we've seen take place recently, Parkland, Florida, Newtown, Connecticut, Columbine, Colorado. Better a metal detector than an armed teacher? Yes. Even in rural districts? Yes, but here's the issue with the metal detectors. 
the metal detectors that came into quote unquote urban districts were fashioned in much the same way as the metal detectors you see in prisons. And so it was always the construct that you are already setting children up in a mental mindset that mm -hmm. we are preparing you for prison. The chief thing is that you can have metal detectors that can be aesthetically pleasing. And we should do that for all our schools if we believe that that is an issue, just like we do for our embassies around the world. You don't walk through embassies around the world saying, oh my gosh, I'm getting ready to walk into Folsom. You walk in and say, okay, I am secure. I am safe. Security is a mindset, and you need to have the correct mindset. No, we don't have the mass shootings, but we still have shootings. We still have issues. So just the fact that you have a metal detector in and of itself is not going to be the whole solution. We need comprehensive solutions to this. Is it a red herring, the, the fact that you have these metal detectors and you tend to not have mass shootings in urban schools? No, I think there's a different dynamic that draws these mass shootings that is fits the rural or suburban area, the dynamic of the shooter. And I think even if you have a metal detector, if you don't have someone armed there, these people that want to do this, that are crazed, are going to come through it. And I would predict suburban schools are not going to put in metal detectors. Because of the happen. stigmatism yeah, involved? Which, which they, they won't do it. Let me mention this real quick. The Atlantic profiled the Memphis Street Academy in Kensington five years ago. Mm -hmm. They took out metal detectors. Remember, they're a charter school. Right. And they took out the bars on the windows. Yes. Mm -hmm. School violence Went dropped down. 90%. Again, it's so that's mindset. the danger of putting something in there like that. What do well, you think, Sam? Well, first, I think it's hard to take one school and, and extrapolate to sure. an entire universe. But I, I think there are probably a lot of variables at that charter school that helped create an environment which reduced the level of violence. And part of it was the culture of the, uh, the, the, the amenities of violence, like um, gates and metal detectors and all that stuff. But I think that what, what the idea of putting a, a gun in a teacher's hand as opposed to a gun in a person who is a trained law enforcement officer, we just saw the effects of that this week when, when a, a law enforcement officer in a school engaged a shooter and brought this to an end pretty quickly. Thinking that teachers are going to have guns? Now, I think I heard or read that if, in a, if you uh, go into a target range and shoot, you can probably be accurate 85% of the time if you know how to shoot a gun. If the bullets are coming back at you, the ratio <laughs> drops to 18%. Nelson, you want to wrap this up? Yeah, uh, I, I think we have solutions, and unfortunately, it's really about gun control. During the Brady Bill, if you remember, mm -hmm. we had that 10-year hiatus, and to some extent, there was less shooting of these types. We know in Australia, when they developed a legislation that required a limitation on gun control, how there absolutely is none of this is happening in that country. So we have solutions. The real problem is we have such uh, constant, constant fight over the Second Amendment instead of fight over our children. And that's really the issue. Washington Post has bad news for Philadelphia's hopes to get Amazon HQ2. It says your tech economy stinks. The Post partnered with the Brookings Research Group to analyze eyes rolling already <laughs> <laughs> to analyze the 20 finalists in nine key areas including workforce new business creation digital services the study ranked philadelphia so low due to lack of spending on housing and transportation its weather which we probably would agree with now <laughs> crime food oh my cultural gosh. institutions and pennsylvania's state credit rating I think are they wrong, Sam? I th well, they're wrong on all those things. But the, the fact of our technology climate, I do think they're correct. Uh, and I, I think this goes back to really the creation almost of the University City Science Center in the 1940s and 50s. What was that? The idea of a science center. Well, that was a cool idea, but really it was a real estate play by the University of Pennsylvania to put a wall up between West Philadelphia and itself. 
Penn had uh, the, the ENIAC. We were the inventor of the computer. Where did it go? To California. It, to MIT and Stanford invest heavily in the technologies that are uh, in, created in their laboratories, whether it's Facebook or some scientific invention, and then they reap the benefits financially when those, those technologies are licensed. Philadelphia Penn was late to that game. Uh, Drexel and Temple are really not so much in that game, although they're trying to get in. Drexel is making the greatest strides, I think. Mm -hmm. We don't have that mindset here, that sort of risk-taking entrepreneurial. It's coming, there's a new generation, but if you're looking across the, uh, the board at places like Austin uh, or California or Boston or even Washington, you're seeing so much more venture capital and so much more startup activity we don't yet have that, and there, that is a, yeah. that's a weakness. There is such potential here because we have the intelligence, we have the universities, we have all of the capacity to be able to be a cyber city. Mm -hmm. The problem we've always had is no one's willing to, willing to invest in the city, and, and investment capital, if you look at Boston and you look at San Jose mm -hmm. and you look at the areas in which they've made some real strides is there's been major investment capital and venture capitalists you know stay in for 12, 13, 15 years in a process like this and for some reason we haven't been able to develop that in Philadelphia and like you said the, the inventions go out. We but do have it, it in cancer. I have to say what's happening well, yeah. sure. with Steve Clasco yeah. and the University of Pennsylvania and Jefferson uh, there are some really innovative healthcare thinkers in, in Ed's and meds are high here. I mean, we were like fourth ranked when it comes to biotechnology across the country. So we do have a component of it. Some of that list is bogus. Let's talk about it. I mean, culture and food, come on. You can't beat us. Yeah, right? like cheesesteaks, man. Yeah. 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 Where are they getting yeah. this? Come on. But you know, even if you, you want to talk about yeah. Garces, or if you want to talk about, you know, any of the great restaurant tours are here. But I smile because one, it was the Washington Post, which is owned by who? Jeff But, Bezos. but DC was but not top on their no, list. No, DC was not top on their list, but it's not bad to knock some of the competition. <laughs> Let's right. be real. But again, when we think about it, we have not invested in the future as much because we are a really old and dated city. We're just starting to get out into this whole, this tech world. Oh, Nerd Street. I mean, these are newer inventions. The question is, does Amazon want to come into a place that's already burgeoning, or does Amazon want to come into a place where they can dominate? Is it the brain drain, too, where they say, you know, the college students do so well, mm -hmm. get degrees, and they want to go work in Silicon Valley. It's, uh, right, well, it's the public schools, too. We just saw the big senses uh, in material about Philadelphia this week, and that's the, the issue of people leaving that way. But I, I think this is way overrated. Uh, I don't know what the Washington Post knows about Philadelphia. I don't think they can decipher what we're doing. And from afar, I, I know that Sam deals with stuff like this and maybe Nia, but from afar, man, i got to tell you, it seems all I see featured in Philadelphia Magazine and everything else are these tech people entrepreneurial kids that are here, and if Amazon came here, you'd have a lot more of that. Watch for Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh is a very dark horse in this race. They I've have heard that robotics, from other people. Carnegie Mellon, yes. uh, the, the healthcare infrastructure, the, the shale, there's so much innovation going on out and in more Pittsburgh. Right and too. investment capital, because they have lots of multimillionaires in the friendly. city. But and the thing is, tax. you get Amazon HQ too, it doesn't erase all your problems. No, not no. at all. Inside Story, I'll be right back. Mm -hmm. 6ABC's Inside Story is presented by Temple University. Back with Inside Story, some of the recent headlines on new district attorney Larry Krasner in Philadelphia. Slate says Philadelphia's new pros prosecutor 
is rolling out wild, unprecedented criminal justice reforms. Mother Jones, a liberal publication, says Krasner just showed America's prosecutors how to end mass incarceration. So let's talk about this briefly. We know that he's trying to do plea deals at the lower end of sentencing guidelines. He revived a conviction review unit. He's choosing not to seek cash bail in certain crimes, saying it's unfair. Tell me this. Do you think so far has Krasner walked a fine line between trying to implement his ideas and not angering the FOP and the police department too much? Well, I think he's got the FOP pretty angry. Uh, just uh, today there was someone who was asking for the death penalty regarding the death of a police officer. And he doesn't believe in capital punishment, so they've already got a lot of people angry, and, and the police department. But I think what people don't realize is that what he's doing is trying to reduce the prison population that we have and in nonviolent crimes. And it's really important because we keep locking people up. It's costing a fortune to lock people up for the time we have. And doing it in nonviolent crimes, I think, is a good idea to be able to release people as quickly as possible. And, and, he's, and he's allowing probation, which means if you blow anything, he sure. says two to yeah. two years. I mean, imagine right. his office actually does compute how much it costs to keep someone in prison for certain crimes. I find and they use that, that to be a ridiculous, that, that uh, is a tell of Krasner and how I see him. And what's also a tell is the widow of this uh, Spring Garden activist who was brutally killed when he was carjacked gave his wallet, gave his money, but he said, I have to get my daughter out of the back and was shot in Spring Garden. She's leaving the city, and one of the things she's afraid of is that one of these kids will be tried as a juvenile for this heinous crime because of Krasner. The message, the campaign, and all that is there. I got to say, so far, there hasn't been anything that I can point to overwhelming, but it seems to be coming. Okay. Sam, yeah. I, I, I worry, I've always worried about Krasner's uh, loyalties and what his views are. Is there, are, are there scientific studies, research studies, that's, that, that can reinforce the uh, value proposition of all of these new initiatives? I don't know. He certainly hasn't made them public if they are. Uh, the he, he has been on a George Soros agenda since the day he started <laughs> running for, for district attorney, and I think he's probably the leading George Soros-supported DA in the country. Will all this work? Do we need to reduce the pr prison population? Yeah, we've got, I think, six prisons. Uh, the cost of the city is, is astronomical. Do we want the district attorney to do the budget analysis of this? Do we want the district attorney to be deciding that the jury should be deciding and the judge in these matters? We'll see. I don't Let know. me get you this to but wrap you know, it up. Uh, yeah. Just really quickly, when we're thinking about this, part of what we're seeing as a challenge is a brand new mindset. If we're saying nonviolent offenders might not need to have the sentencing guidelines that we've had so far, and you're getting pushback from that, that just goes to show that this is the uphill climb that we're on when it comes to what happens with people who are criminals. And to the point of the young lady that's moving to Chester County, whenever anyone is traumatized, you can understand that. But that was a violent crime, not a nonviolent crime, which is what we're talking about. The fact that it gets conflated, again, just shows the mindset of where we are. Facebook. <laughs> Let's get off. Oh, man. <laughs> how, many, how many have an account? I have an account. And how many are going to get off? I'm actually off right now for Lent. So I'm okay. not social media right now. The world's largest social network's been uh, just really getting beaten up. And it started with the 2016 presidential election. And the latest revelation is that a British data company obtained personal information of 50 million Facebook users. Uh, so, so the question, Sam, go Facebook ahead. Go ahead. Is, Facebook has become a public utility. 
I actually and there asked are that no question. public utilities in this country that are not regulated. Sure. So, so you, you say they're not a, they're not a media company, which a lot of people say they're they not are. A media they're company. a utility. If, they have pipes. If they were producing content, arguably they could be called a media company. They are a pipe, and we can all put through the pipes whatever we want, just like we can do with the internet, which is largely regulated because it goes through. Uh, well, not the, the internet, but the, by, like utility lines, like telephone lines. These things are regulated. So and regulate, break up. It's time for Zuckerberg to grow up. First of all, you are partially responsible for some of the things that have happened. There's been some conflation between what happened with uh, Cambridge Analytica and the Obama administration or the campaign. And they said, oh, well, Obama did it in 2016. Everything was, oh, it's going to be 2012. Everything was grand. But the difference was when people signed up for OPA updates, they knew what they were signing up for. People who signed up with Cambridge Analytica didn't know how their data was going to be used. Neither did their friends and friends and friends. These are the kind of breaches that really um, challenge privacy rights, that really challenge where Zuckerberg and all of Facebook is right now. They need to take Mark, Mark Zuckerberg is 33 years old, and I know he's run the company mm -hmm. ever since, you know, Harvard, right. Harvard and he's right. practically in his teens. Does he need veteran leadership yes. that beyond Sheryl Sandberg? Yes, well, yes. You know, people thought that they were communicating with families, and as all of this has been harvested and given for profit-making opportunities, I think that uh, there is absolutely, even the COO agrees that regulatory requirement is needed. But I got to tell you that no one of us thought that they were going to go in there and investigate us all totally to use it for marketing, to use it for politics, to use it for all kinds of things that are. And, and that's why a lot of people are getting off, because they did not want him to keep making more of a profit. We I always agree. thought they were, and I worry Google, particularly sure. Google, is a powerhouse. We don't know what the consequence is. Inside Stories of the Week coming up. CBC's Inside Story is presented by Temple University. Inside Stories of the Week, we start with Nia. Well, Saturday we saw tens of thousands of young people from across the country decide to march for their lives in D.C. and in their own communities. And we should listen to them. Right here in Philadelphia last year, we lost, oh, excuse me, we had 88 children who were shot, children under the age of 18, including five girls. So far this year, we're almost at two dozen. We continue to do our children a disservice if we do not focus on the strategic solutions to gun violence. Thank you, Nia. Sam? I hate to follow something that important up with Howie Roseman, but I have to say, <laughs> Howie Roseman, uh, th that guy has done an unbelievable job in the last couple of years. I, I look at the fact that he was sent out mm -hmm. uh, during the Chip Kelly era, used that time to become more knowledgeable about himself and his business and his job, and I think he's going to bring another Super Bowl back to Philadelphia in 2019. <laughs> Howie! Nelson? Well, you know, this is the 70th year of Israel's, State of Israel founding, and they uh, consulate, uh, Danny Diane, is celebrating it throughout the country by bringing a bunch of cultural interchange uh, throughout the country, and we just had one in Philadelphia uh, at the uh, Kimball Center. All right, thank you, Nelson. Don? I have an Israel connection, thanks okay. to the judge. I love this story. Toys R Us broke my heart. Used to take the kids there and all that going under, except in one place, Israel. They're keeping 53 of them open. The reason is birth rate. They blame our low birth rate. Ah. Israel has the highest birth rate in the industrialized world. Way to go, Toys R Us. If you want it, go to Israel. <laughs> I've never heard that connection, but it makes a lot of sense. And, and are they going to keep Jeffrey? You know, he's the giraffe. <laughs>
Maybe it is real to be a camel. I don't know. I'm stereotyping, but wildly. Here you go. All right. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, the panel is great. And uh, you can w listen to the Inside Story podcast. You go to iTunes or Google Play. You can listen to my podcast as well. It's called the Travel Mug Podcast. And I actually interview someone about Facebook and all its woes. So you can get that also on iTunes and Google Play. Have a great Sunday, everyone. Four and have a great week. We'll see you later. Yeah.